Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Uh, it is time once again uh, for parenting. Uh, uh, Joanna Fortune will have to wait for the end of that story that yeah. will take place uh, <laughs> during the advertising break. Uh, good afternoon, Joanna. Hi. Good afternoon, Sean. <laughs> now, uh, the first uh, question is this. My four-year-old has begun the why phase and while I love his, uh, his question, sometimes I find it uh, hard to find answers, particularly for tricky real-life questions. Are there any books we can read that might help me explain things better to him? I mean, I just love this question because, Mm. I mean, talking about books for children, I could do all day um, and there are endless beautiful examples. But I just I I actually love this four year old why phase. It's just peak curiosity Mm -hmm. and they'll go deeper and deeper. And, you know, often we go, oh, my gosh, I've gotten down a rabbit hole here with this topic. How am I going to? It's us who get lost. They're fascinated no matter what's going on. So there are endless books. You know, I've mentioned here before, there's a bunny rabbit bear out there having every life crisis known to childkind. (laughs) So you'll always find a book. But I think when it comes to children's books that you have to be really selective rather than collective, because you could end up gathering books that are they're okay, but they're Mm. only okay. And actually, there are some really, really beautiful ones out there. I know myself at the moment, I'm really taken by anything that's bringing in just topics of interest in my house tend to be very nature driven at the moment. Mm. And there is a gorgeous one, Irish produced as well and for charity. And it's linked to a website and a UNESCO app with loads of information. It's called The Tree by the Sea. Ah, yes. I started reading that last night. It's a lovely book. It's so gorgeous. We just love it and I just and it seems to be based on the actual tree carving in, in Clontarf uh, we yeah. went out so yeah. you know because it lovely the book is so beautifully illustrated um, and it, it actually has on it uh, you know this whole kind of piece of there's a free wish with your book so mm. you know that was it into the car and out to make the wish <laughs> um, and seeing the tree because there's a QR code like so it's one of those things that it, I like this question's asking it takes real life topics you know, there's a real life tree. It really exists. Um, but even if you don't live near the tree, what's covered in the book so beautifully is about, you know, the environment and about animals and about taking care of nature. And then you can take all of that curious little four year old. And I would say older with that book. You could certainly be reading that nine ten, um, to the UNESCO app associated with it and say, well, let's look up about herons and learn about them and let's look up about what's going on and the carver of the tree is a real person mm. who's in the book so look it's tree, it's the tree by the sea.ie that's where I got it and I have bought enough for everyone in my life for Christmas I just think it's a special one so yes it's a lovely one there are lovely ones there and stories are such a great way to stimulate imagination and creativity but also we know that when we cover topics of nature and science and the world with children as adults it tends to lead to us fostering more pretend play opportunities because you can dress up as the animals and play it out. You can really take it deeper. And just I always think, you know, in talking about books for children and not making an assumption here that Osgoelga books that cover nice child life experiences. Sive Devlin, an Irish author, writes beautiful books, Osgoelga, about, you know, there's one about a child who just wants mom to stop doing mom jobs and play with them. I mean, that's mm. so relatable. And one about granny gave me a jumper and I really don't like it, but I don't want to hurt her feelings. And, you know, there's beautiful books that children go, oh, yeah, I've had that experience. Yeah. So thinking in terms of what does my child live, think and feel and finding the books that are really relevant to them 
beautiful illustrations will always win out because they read the story in the visual as well as the words. So I would say, you know, be selective, get out there and ask questions and go to bookstores that specialize in children's books because the staff in there are just incredibly knowledgeable. Yeah, well, the more get books you give them, the more questions they ask, yeah. I think. That's the problem here with the why. But the good books will yeah. answer the questions, you see. Though, <laughs> so, yeah, like, in, you know, you, you'd learn this if you're in first year philosophy class. This is yeah. what Socrates did, that he yeah. he never answered a question. He'd just go up to people and they'd say something, he'd say, why? And they'd yeah. answer and he'd say, no, but why? Yeah. And then eventually they put him to death it's uh, a, it's for asking like that parody, question. It's like Sean, you know, we, we yeah. just wonder. Yeah. I, oh, I wonder, I yeah. wonder, I wonder to go deeper and deeper. Children are brilliant at it. Yeah, no, we can't drive you mad. I, I, I imagine ask your father is really the only ultimate solution after or a while. Or when you hit yeah. a wall, don't be afraid to go what great questions you have. I wonder what you think the answer might be. And that feels like I need to think about that one. Let's come back to it tomorrow. You're allowed to shut it down at yes. a certain point. OK, <laughs> you really are. <laughs> uh, our seven, uh, 17 month old daughter had a soother when she was very young, but we got rid of it at six months she seemed happy enough she has always seen other babies and toddlers with them and she might comment dodo but never wanted it from them however recently we had a new baby and have given him a soother for between feeds now our daughter is obsessed with them and she's taken the larger ones that her son is too small for she always has one in her mouth or is looking for it or babbling about it should we just ignore this in the hope that it's just a phase or should we be trying to curb this issue before it gets any bigger or a bit of a loss as to what to do? Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, there is that, the temptation yeah. with ignore it and it'll pass, but you've no guarantee with that. And I always think when our children are doing something that we, if we just ignore the behaviour, then we're not hearing what's underpinning the behaviour. Mm. And when you say she's obsessed with the soother, she's obsessed with the baby and she's obsessed with the change that's come into the family and yes. who this little usurper is. And I used to be the one with the dodies and now it's you who has them. So I think there's a couple of ways of looking at that. I mean, some developmental regression is so normal at a, a life change like this. And she's still only 17 months, you know, still a baby herself, mm. really, um, you know, and the the Dodies being so accessible, <laughs> you know, it was grand when they were gone, but they're actually not gone now. They're right here and available to me in a way that I could maybe hold a boundary about not taking strange babies, Dodies, when I'm out. Oh, these are just right here. So yeah, it's too yeah. tempting. Um, what you could do is give a little latitude with it. You know, don't make this a battle because then it's going to really become about the Dodie when I would suspect it's about the baby who has the dodie. Yeah. So maybe get one of those baby dolls, you know, that take a dodie and instead of putting it in and out of her own mouth, she could be playing at being the mom of the baby, taking care of the baby, mm. giving the baby the dodie. It might be enough to transfer that curiosity in a playful way towards the baby doll instead of herself. You could also, you know, buy her a couple of her own dodies. Um, you could get, you know, you can get quite exciting print versions of them, but maybe nip the top of them, you know, so they're a little flat. OK. Um, or put a little hole so they don't have the same sensory pleasure that she would have been getting out of them. And they're more a function. They're not, you know, they're you're really minimising the functionality mm. and therefore the appeal of them. Now, there's a risk with that. There's a risk that she goes, well, these are mine. Great, I'll keep them. <laughs> and then you're going to be back in the place of having to give them up again. But maybe if you actually talk to her, and say, you know, dodies are for little babas and you're much bigger now. So the dodies are for the baby doll and the baby. Yeah. And you repeat that in the same way over and over because you might be able to 
tempt her with the baby can only have a dodie but look at you can have this fancy new sippy cup and I'll get you stickers that you can decorate it to your heart's content with or you can have you know some kind of a a squeezy toy but the baby can't have that because you're not on a dodie you get this instead so those conflicting feelings about being a big girl when she's really not yeah. you know she's a baby there's a whole lot going on for her so I would I would tend to do the don't make it a huge issue don't make it a battle but explore ways of can you transfer it to a sippy cup or a baby doll instead yeah I mean worst case scenario if they if they got rid of out of the older daughter at six months, which is well done, really good, uh, and then that means that the the older one would be like you know if if this two. baby yeah around two like, yeah that's not the end of the world it's really not no um, it really isn't uh, yeah genius but you might want to put if if you are kind of saying look she's taken back up the dodie just put a boundary on it that it's just for bedtime or it's just for sofa chill out time mm. that it's not all day because otherwise you will create an issue. My son has begun to hate school. He's in third year now. I watched him go from being an enthusiastic and popular student when he started secondary school to now sullen and quiet. He doesn't seem to care at all about his studies or his future. He won't talk to me about it and walks away when I question him. I'm worried about whether it could be depression as he experiences these low moods. What are the clinical Mm. symptoms in children and how can I handle this sensitively? Oh, gosh. I mean, this isn't easy. I mean, the clinical symptoms are quite broad and quite vague because how this manifests in adolescence isn't, you know, one sharp, clear picture. There's many manifestations. I mean, we would always look, you know, at unexplained drops in energy. But again, We'd also explore, is there anything going on nutritionally that could account Mm. for that or anything else? We'd also look at a lack of interest in things that previously did hold interest or feelings of hopelessness or changes to sleep and appetite or a pervasive flat low mood, increased isolation, tearfulness without context, without known context, I should say, or self-harm. There's a myriad of you know, behaviours we'd look at. But with this question, based on what you're saying here, I'm going to suggest this parent hold an an inquisitive stance. Okay, so that would mean stay in a place of curiosity about this rather than certainty. You don't know that he has depression, but you are seeking to better understand the changes that you're seeing in his behaviour. Okay, because if you go in and say, I think you're depressed, I mean, that's a lot to confront a 15, well, approximately 15 year old with. But I suppose for you as the parent to take a pause before you approach this with him and just wonder to yourself, you know, why have things changed? You know, and run through how are things at home? For him now, not for all of you, but for him at school with his peer group, his social life. You know, is he engaged in any extracurricular activities, hobbies, team sports, anything like that? What is his general participation level in these areas of his life? And again, looking at what his appetite and sleep like, you know, because if he's not eating or if he's not going to bed till really late, that's going to affect his mood anyway. Um, I then think you have to tell him either get out for a walk or take that opportunity when you're sitting in parallel in the car and there isn't anywhere to go and there's time and traffic to talk to tell him, you know, what you've observed, but do so with kindness and compassion and just say, look, I've noticed this, this and this. And what I'm noticing is leading me to worry 
that something is up with you and I'm wondering what can I do to help you? Mm. So you're saying it in a way of I'm not demanding you explain your behavior. I'm not criticizing you. I'm not diagnosing you, but I'm expressing concern. I'm underpinning that with evidence of what I've observed. And I'm telling you that you're not alone. I'm here to help you with it and see does that elicit something from him where he's like actually I am finding things really hard regardless of how that goes because he may look at you and say no and if he is really depressed it may be very hard to speak about Mm. it you know in this way and if you come away from that saying I'm just not comfortable with how this is and how it's playing out Refer to your GP who can refer you to CAMS, Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, for an assessment. You can, if it's an option for you, go down the private mental health route with a professional there who can meet with him and explore some of this with him. But I wouldn't just, and I don't think they are, but I certainly wouldn't ignore it and say, sure, that's all 15-year-olds. It isn't. Yes. So and I really do think the earlier we respond to those things, what I really admire just to flag is this parent is saying, I want to handle it, but I want to do it sensitively. Yes. And I think that's absolutely accurate. Yeah. But they say, I've watched him go from being enthusiastic and popular student when he started secondary school. So this is three years it we're is. talking. And do you know, Sean, like we've had this before with questions where a really tough transition for adolescents that probably doesn't get spoken about enough is that transition between first year and second year. You know, that summer where some of them really become pseudo mature overnight and yeah, some of them don't. Yeah. And we see this huge gap in maturity in social skills, peer group changes. You know, there's a lot more temptation and pressure. And now the socialization might be around, you know, experimenting with alcohol or what and some aren't ready for it. That's a really tough time developmentally for adolescents. Mm. So we can see our bright, happy, engaged 12, 13 year old going into first year morph into somebody who's really struggling overtly by 14, 15. But we just want to catch it and it might be worth and again, if it's appropriate and you're comfortable doing so, speaking with his year head or a designated teacher you know he has a connection with um, to talk through how they're observing him in school. Is there a correlation with yeah. school engagement? Because I suppose I'm wondering, is something going on? Is he having some hassle mm. or bullying in school or yeah. online? Is there something else that could explain this? Yeah. Though, on the other hand, could it be, you know, he's 15, he's, you know, maybe hit puberty, hormones are all over the place and, you know, sullen 15-year-olds who won't talk to the parents is not a rarity. Not a rarity at all. What we would see, and that's why I was using the word pervasive, because if it's more of a developmental, not pleasant, but quite normal phase of development, you'll see waves of engagement with disengagement. You'll often see, gosh, things are great. And then, no, they're not. Where did that come from? Right. Whereas if it's pervasive and if it's affecting all areas of his life and it's more often there than it's not there and there isn't a context to explain it, then I'm curious to look deeper into that. Yes, indeed. Uh, A few comments on some of the questions that uh, Joanna was already uh, dealing with uh, on the question of the soother. Catherine says, I cut my daughter's dummy with the scissors and she didn't like it. Mm, Uh, uh, Laura says, uh, (laughs) we had painstakingly weaned our twin toddlers off their soothers after months of trying. And now that they have a baby sister, Mm. they're straight back in and more stubborn than ever. And we keep running out of soothers as they get lost. (laughs) I feel listeners, yes, that is the thing. And you find them everywhere. And the horror is like, you know, the child will find one under a couch and stick it in her gob. Straight away. Oh, God. And then we won't even go into the germs of sharing soothers. Uh, getting rid of my soother never really helped me. I started sucking my thumb afterwards mm. and 30 years later, 
I've had all sorts of problems with the alignment of my mm. teeth and I'm still sucking it at night. Yeah, thumb so sucking can yeah. really cause dental damage. Yeah, yeah, you didn't go on to the cigarettes. That's your big, uh, that's the big mistake <laughs> you made there. Uh, it's uh, as the question of the why, we've got more kind of philosophical answers to that one. Uh, someone says, it's the ultimate practical joke that the universe plays on us humans that we can never really get an ultimate answer as to the why. It's true for you. And Tim says, we should stay in that phase into adulthood. Maybe we'd have less superstitious nonsense in politics and public life if people just took the time to ask themselves why. I don't a bit disagree. More. Curiosity Indeed. is always healthy. Yeah. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that. Uh, the little girl wants the dog in the bed. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. Joanna Fortune is still with us. Next question is this. My 10-year-old daughter loves the company of our Labrador and often sneaks him into her bed. I'm not comfortable with that as our dog moves around a lot in his sleep and he's a fairly decent size now, so I'm worried it just disrupts her at night as she does regularly seem tired. Uh, I'd really rather the dog just stayed in his basket. Now, my daughter is so attached and finds him so comforting that she'll disobey me regardless. I don't want to make the dog sleep outside during the winter, but if I keep him inside, she'll just bring him into our bed. What should I do? Oh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? But there's <laughs> there's a few words in here that are, you know, she's attached and comforting. And those are the words that I would pick up on. Like, you know, there's two ways of looking at this that, you know, you can, as the parents say, there's a boundary you know, we don't want the dog outside in the cold, but in order for the dog to stay inside, he has to stay in his basket wherever. OK, wherever that might be. Um, and you but I, I think I'd be exploring with her. Is, does she worry about the dog? Is he lonely without her? Is the dog OK that you might need to reassure her? And the dog is warm and mm. perfectly happy where, where where he is. The other piece is the comfort that she's getting from the dog. That is there something that you could instead of saying no dog, just get into bed and get over it. Is there something you could give her instead? Say, I think you must really like the feeling of the dog lying on your legs. Oh, or, yeah, it's a you big, know, huge teddy course, bear. It's a Labrador, yeah. yeah. But I wonder, could you get like what, you know, a soft, warm, weighted for children now, the, the ones that are available for children in that kind of appropriate weight, you're one of those weighted blankets. Mm. Um, and, you know, that would give her that feeling of a weight on her tummy or her legs that would give her that sense of a dog lying on her. Do you know what I mean? So it would give her the comfort that she's currently getting from the dog. Or you could simply get one of those. Now, they're not as they don't have the same kind of weight, but you know, those um, I'm going to describe this badly, but you know, those OT microwave heated beanbag things. Yes. Yeah. OK. Those. Yeah. Um, you could get one of those because they have often they have a little lavender scent in them, which can be quite comforting. But you could heat it up so it's warm. It has a bit of weight in it and she could position it where she likes the dog to lie. Mm. And you're giving her that same proprioceptive as well as that touch based sensory tactile comfort experience. But within your boundary of saying, it's not okay for the dog to sleep on your bed. You know, he's actually quite big and he moves around and we think it's making you tired. Here's how it's going to be, but this is for you instead. Mm. And the dog is safe and happy and we'll say goodnight to him and all of that. I think at 10, you sit down with her and say, I'm worried about how this is affecting your sleep, but let's work out a way 
that you still feel really comfortable because if you make it about know the dog I mean you're absolutely right you'll all go to bed and she'll whisper for the dog to come yeah. in and, and and should the dog if you do it enough the dog's then at the kitchen door moaning to get, to get up the stairs yeah or if the door's uh, and, open oh the dog God, might the dog well be finding his yeah, own way up there yeah. but I think as well she just makes sure she doesn't think the dog is lonely because you know the attachment that word she's so attached you know that would speak to she cares for the dog as oh, well yeah. And yeah so it's not just about you know Asher let him do it it's more than that so I think just explain to her but then try to replace the sensory aspect of what the dog is representing with other alternatives yeah that's going to be a tricky one though because she's oh, going yeah. to you know she will oh yeah. I, yeah I mean this is hard so sometimes as the parent it is about saying look bottom line is the dog isn't sleeping here anymore but here's what we can do instead so the dog sleeping there isn't the negotiation point because if you if your bottom line is the dog isn't sleeping on the bed then don't present it in a way that makes mm. it seem like there's room for negotiation yes but good luck with that. Just, you know, I know in my house, uh, as far as my daughter is concerned, I'm, I rank below the dog in terms of importance. Uh, now, uh, my 14 year old son started getting acne at the beginning of the year. It appears to be getting worse and he's become very self-conscious about it. I've noticed he isn't as pushed to meet up with friends and gets embarrassed if I bring it up. I'm just wondering what I can uh, do to try and support him through this period. Ah, oh, the poor kid. Aww. Like, this is really tough. So I would say to you, he needs to see a dermatologist on this, OK? Because acne, if it's acne, it's not going to just go away, generally speaking. It will need some kind of specialist, either medication or topical cream or combination of both. He may need a little bit of support around a dietary change if that's going to affect it. But basically, he needs to see a skin specialist. So call your GP for a, an initial consult. They may be able to prescribe something or they can certain, you know, they could prescribe some kind of a treatment, I mean, um, or they can refer you to a skin specialist who will deal with this. Mm. And I think by taking proactive action and saying, hey, this is something we can get addressed and here's what I'm going to do is letting him know that you see it, you take it seriously. And the reason I'd feel like don't wait on this, do it now, is because this can and does affect self-esteem in young people. Because you can, you know, of course you can, and you should, by the way, also invest in his skills, his strengths, his talents, what he's capable of and doing the self-esteem piece, you know, making sure he has opportunities for independence and to grow those skills. Of course, that's all relevant. But let's be realistic at this age that the how I perceive others perceive me yeah, is paramount is. Yeah. at this age. And if I'm not liking what I see in the mirror or I'm very self-conscious, I will, whether it's real or perceived, I will infer that everybody else is thinking and feeling the mm. same thing when they look at me. Yeah. So it is going to affect self-esteem, socialisation and, and other things that go with that. So when it comes to skin, when it comes to acne, I would say get medical intervention Yeah, for that. Oh, the poor fella. It's tough, isn't it? Like, it's yeah, tough being even, a teenager anyway. Yeah, but well, it probably is going to be difficult even to get him to kind of talk to her, you know, yeah. about it, you know, because he'll be shy and awkward. And that's and, why I think just make it quite matter of fact, you yeah. know, just saying, hey, look, we can we can do something about this. I've made an appointment for you. Yeah. Uh, our, this is a question that affects every child in the world ever. <laughs> our our five-year-old daughter creates a scene every time we ask her to put on her coat. It's now almost December and she wanders around the garden in a t-shirt. She has a tantrum if we try to put the coat on her. 
She won't engage in a dialogue about why she's averse to it. We're at our wit's end. It now seems that we cancel trips to the park and walks with other families. What should we do? Oh, I mean, Crikey. I agree with you. I mean, this is quite extreme, but the, mm. it's this is not an unusual behaviour, mm. especially in this age group. And sometimes you've children who just seem to be hot blooded or something. They just don't feel the cold like us. They're busier. They move more. And it, often yes. they experience the coat as restrictive. Mm. You know, it doesn't allow me stretch my arms as high as I like and it doesn't allow me move in the way I do. Do you know what? I just won't bother wearing it. I'm fine. Um, and of course, his parents were like, no, because it's, you know, one degree and you've got to wear a coat. <laughs> now, at the moment, it's, you know, almost worryingly mild. Right. Yeah, well, know, it is let, worryingly yeah. mild. Yeah. I, I was going to say, it's wonderfully mild. No, it's not. Yeah. It's worryingly mild. But I would say, pick uh, with, always with this age group, pick your battles, but hold your boundaries. Okay. The middle ground here is layers are your friend. Mm, So investing in long sleeve thermal vests that will go under a long sleeve top with a T-shirt over it. You can nearly hear the voice of experience. I've had this battle, (laughs) dance this dance um, over it. And you present that as, well, this is for the season. So you want to name it in a kind of use the ACT type of structure. So acknowledge the feeling. I know you don't like a coat. It doesn't feel comfortable. It feels restrictive. Okay, I know that. So you're acknowledging it. Communicate a limit. T-shirts are not for this time of year. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And it's my job to keep you healthy. There's your limit. And then you T, target the alternative. So option A, B and C that you as a parent are supremely happy with whatever the choice is going to be, but they get to make the choice. Option A, wear layers. Option B, coat A, some kind of a coat or seek another coat. Yeah, yeah. So that you will wear something, but what of these choices you get to make? So it gives them a sense of control and a sense of, well, actually, yeah, I get to wear what I want, mm. which makes me happy. And you as the parent are happy that they're wearing more than a T-shirt. Yeah. So I would approach it that way, that they're making, your your daughter is making the selection within your boundary but your boundary by nature is flexible it bends without breaking and the end game is she's warm enough yes not that she's wearing a particular coat that you want her to wear if you have flexibility around that and think in a sensory way about coats try to even if you get a coat a size too big first of all they'll grow into it so you get more time out of it but you can roll up the sleeves but it means under the arms and around the chest there tends to be a little bit more movement in them Mm. than something too tight and restrictive because this age group they're built to explore their environment so we have to give them clothes that facilitate yeah, that they do. Urge. And they just get mad notions as well. Unexplained mad notions. Mine were like, mine was going swimming and she didn't want to wear water wings. She'd never <laughs> worn them before. She's just like, no water wings, as if this was, you know, she'd heard about this before and the I other kids had warned her. And I know oh like my the sound, God. But I'll take flight and I won't be able to get back down. <laughs> uh, which she did wear in the end and it was all grand. Uh, now, a, a few comments regarding the third year old who's having a, a tough time at secondary mm-hmm. school. Uh, I work in a school and so many secondary school students are struggling. They have missed out on so much. The sadness and mental health issues in our schools cannot be underestimated. Trust me, the state examinations adding to it. It's yep. time for the Department of Education to make changes urgently. So that's... I fully agree yeah, with that. And I, that's replicated in my own work and the calls I'm getting as well, that there is a very serious mental health crisis in that age group emerging but we could proactively get ahead of it we don't have to live it as a mantra and say because of what's gone on our Mm. young people are struggling and that's a foregone conclusion it's all going to we can say actually we're seeing signs 
that there is emerging difficulty in a significant cohort, what can we proactively do instead of waiting for it to be a problem? I think all schools should have access to a mental health professional on site for at least a year yeah, post-COVID. true for you. The, uh, on the subject of uh, whether the uh, 10-year-old should be allowed to sleep with the dog, uh, Darina says, just let her sleep with the dog. <laughs> I think the dog lovers are coming in here. Uh, someone else says, let the dog sleep in the bed if it makes her happy. They don't live forever. God, that's another worry now. She'll wake up one morning, the yeah. dog's dead oh in the God. bed with her. Uh, and on the, the question of uh, the, the little one asking why, just shows you life goes full circle. Anne says, my husband has retired. He now follows me around asking, why? Why are you doing that? I'm ready to strangle him. Send uh, jo- him out to the tree by the sea as well. Yeah. You can get on Joanna, oh, uh, lovely as ever to have you with us. Joanna Fortune, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.